Okay, Thanks. hi everyone, and welcome to the special focus Recovery from Relapse Overeaters Anonymous meeting. Today is Tuesday, the 6th of June 2023, and we are delighted to welcome Peter W to us today. Thank you. Sorry. And Peter is here. He came into OA in July 1983, and he's from Washington, D.C., and currently lives in Los Angeles. We are looking forward to hearing Peter's experience, strength and hope. And Peter, it is over to you. Okay, thank you very much. Good, I guess good afternoon. Uh, it's about 6.15 a.m. my time in Los Angeles. Um, and uh, I remember looking at my calendar going, oh, I've got a six o'clock meeting. Uh, I didn't realize it was 6 a.m. in the morning uh, until uh, a couple of days ago, but it works out perfectly. Uh, today, I was planning on driving from Los Angeles to Sausalito, which is just north of San Francisco, which is about a six and a half, seven hour drive on the freeway. So I was going to get up early and go, and it just, this was a great motivation to get up early. So everything works out. Um, so as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, I first started coming to OA in July of 1983. Uh, next year next month, 40 years of coming to meetings. Not what I expected when I first got here. Uh, that it was not my goal. Um, I was, let me see, I have to remember how old I am. I've been saying the wrong year for a while now. I think this year I'm gonna be 58, born in 1964. So I came in at 18 and um, I've basically been going to meetings for on a weekly basis since that time with about a six year gap uh, between 1999 and 2005. That was my relapse. And I'll get into uh, what happened there. And, um, you know, everybody in my family suffers from some addiction. Most of it's food, but you know, we have drugs, we have alcohol. Um, not really gambling, but uh, yeah, everybody has some form of an addiction. Um, very few people have gotten into recovery. Uh, the ones that have, it's immediately obvious uh, and the quality of their lives are so much better. Um, you, know, I, um, you know, I was in college uh, and at the time, you know, I had grown up, I was a fat kid. As he used to say back in the 60s in America, I was a husky kid. That was the phrase that was used. Uh, you don't hear that term much anymore in America. Um, but I was always on a diet. And um, I always had to watch my weight. And, you know, as a teenager, you know, just exercising and getting into sports, my weight kind of came down uh, to a somewhat manageable area. But for me, everything was, my focus was food. I grew up in a family where there was a lot of chaos as a kid. Uh, my parents were going through a very brutal divorce when I was four and five years old. Um, a lot of times I was at home alone. And so my comfort was food. Um, it was a wonderful place to go after I got home and there was from school and there was nobody home. And so for me, I found solace in the food. My friends that I picked in uh, the neighborhood, whoever had the best food. That, that, that's how I pick my friends. They, who, 
who had the nice, the best snacks. And, um, and, and so everything was oriented towards food and my comfort. And, you know, as I became a teenager, you know, I started exercising, playing sports, you know, naturally I just began to slim down a little. Um, and, uh, you know, when I got to college, there were no, I could walk into the cafeteria and eat as much food as I want and return as much as I want. And that was a great, wonderful experience. And I quickly put on a lot of weight in my first semester. And I remember near the end of the first semester, I had one pair of jeans that fit. And I literally was worried. I, I mean, I, I was out of control with the food. And I remember going back that holiday time at the end of the semester, just around uh, December. And I was like, none of my clothes at home fit. And I remember for five days not eating to try and lose weight. And my stomach hurt and I was in huge pain. And then finally on Christmas Eve, I was seeing my father and I just dove into the food. And he says, you know, you got a food problem. You know, you, you're, you're a compulsive overeater because I'm a compulsive overeater. Everyone in our family is a compulsive overeater. You need to go to Overeaters Anonymous. I kind of heard it and then tried not to hear it. It was the usual parental lecture that I would get on some subject. Okay, so this one was about my weight and food. And I was just like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, trying to just pass the subject and move on. And, you know, he started to talk a little bit about what he was learning in these meetings and that I should go. And um, I was like, thank you, but no. And um, so I went back to school for the next semester and I was vowing to lose this weight. And I remember saying to, uh, you know, we lived in this little dormitory with a suite of rooms and everyone had, you know, shared a room and it was a common area. And we used to all walk down to the cafeteria to get our meals uh, in between classes together. And I was like, okay, I gotta lose this weight. And it was funny, I would walk down and one, and they would say, okay, you can have this, you can't have that. It was like I had a, a committee food plan. So I'd walk in, okay, is this enough? No, that's too much, put some back. Uh, can I get seconds? No. And so three meals a day, there was a bunch of people saying what I could have and not have. I turned my food over to the care and will of my friends who none of them were dietitians, um, but it wasn't me. And in a way it was a precursor to having a food sponsor. Uh, I didn't know it. Then we go, you know, later on in the evening, we go to the gym and work out and I dropped an incredible amount of weight. And, um, you know, I probably, got down to where I am. I was 50 pounds lighter than I am today. Uh, now, granted, I was, I'd say middle-aged, I think I'm probably a little beyond middle-aged to 58, but, um, you know, I was very thin and I just knew at that point, then the summer came. Well, now I didn't have these people around. I went back home. Well, how was I going to handle this? And so I was so afraid to eat 
you know, I'd have a, you know, a slice of tomato for breakfast because I was so afraid that as soon as I got back into the food, I'd gain all the weight back in like three days. And so I was basically crazy. At the time I began dating a woman uh, and who lo and behold was a compulsive overeater, shocker. Uh, and, you know, I remember she was having food issues and binging. And then this thing about OA came up again. So it was July 4th weekend, Independence weekend, lived in Washington, DC, lots of celebrations. Uh, my school was about two hours away. The university was about two hours away. So she was down there for summer session. She came up and spent the weekend. And I said, you know, we should check out these meetings. I thought she needed it, not me, she did. So I checked out a meeting on July 4th weekend, 1983. It was a newcomer's meeting and it was totally depressing. And uh, we were both like, okay, we're never doing that again. And for some reason, after it was a crazy weekend, of course, and uh, for some reason, I decided to go to another meeting the next week. And in that meeting, they were talking about feelings, emotions, why people ate, why they binged. And I didn't have the, the, the vocabulary to talk about my feelings around food and why I ate. But I immediately identified when people began sharing. And they were talking about it in a way that I probably thought about it on an unconscious level. I never thought about a conscious level, but they were giving voice to what was going on inside of me. And I never had that type of identification with anybody in my life. And I was stunned. And I was like, at that moment, I went, okay, this is the place for me. It's a bunch of middle-aged housewives, uh, not... I'm probably older now than any of them were back then, but uh, I didn't think they had anything to offer me, but I so identified with what they were talking about. I knew I had to come back. And so I started going to meetings. I got a food sponsor and began calling in my food every morning and um, trying to do this thing that they did. Back then there was gray sheet, which is you know, a preset food plan that was very, very strict. You know, and this idea of giving up sugar, uh, it was nice in theory. Uh, at the time, I was at a big, a lot of drinking in college. And so my sponsor, I've got a sponsor when I went back down to school. And the sponsor was also an OAA. I know this is OA, but it's relevant. And she said, well, part of my food plan is I don't drink. And my sponsees have to do the same thing if they want to work with me. And she was the only one that had where I went to school, it was a small town in Virginia. Uh, the OA meetings had about five people, four of whom had been struggling for 10 years going to meetings. No one ever got abstinent. No one worked the steps. And this one person was abstinent a year. And so I thought, okay, this is my only shot. So I guess if that's the way she does it, and I, I want to get abstinent. Well, I won't stop drinking. I just won't tell her. I'll leave that out of <laughs> when I call in my food and talk about what I had. And, and so amazingly enough, I didn't stay abstinent. So she fired me uh, because I just kept going out and binging. 
and um and she's like you're not ready and she's right she was right i was not ready i was not willing to get honest finally when i was able to give up the drinking um i got i got abstinent um i stopped drinking the last on the last day of my last exam in college and I promptly decided I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life. I was an emotional wreck. And so I said, well, I'm going to go live in Paris, which sounded really wonderful. Like other people were going to graduate school, law school, getting jobs. I couldn't even get a job interview. So I said, well, I'm moving to Paris. Said, oh, have you been? I go, no. Do you speak French? No, but it sounded really good. <laughs> so uh, I ended up... Uh, getting a one-way ticket over to Europe to go traveling. And I figured, okay, let's go to Paris. And um, I won't say it was a disaster, but uh, just before I got to Paris, but I remember, you know, I was a few weeks sober, trying to stay abstinent. It, it, it was difficult. And I remember going to a meeting at uh, the American church in Paris. Uh, there was an AA meeting. At the end of the meeting, people, you know, said, you know, any, announcements and I raised my hand as a newcomer in AA and introduced myself. I was from Charlottesville, Virginia, where I was going to school at the time, where I just graduated. And there was a gentleman in the room who came up to me and he goes, I'm from Charlottesville, Virginia. I moved to Paris a year ago. Here, let's let's talk. And um, I was shocked. And then another woman walked up to me. Her name was Nancy. Some of you may know her. And she goes, are you in OA? And I was taken aback, like, how did she know? Uh, and I said, yeah, why? Very, very cautiously. And she said, well, we have an English speaking meeting starting in 15 minutes downstairs. Why don't you come join us? We'd love to have you. And I was like, okay. And so I did. And, and that's when I got abstinent. And I stayed in Paris for about two years. And, and that was a whole thing it's very easy I, it was so easy to be absent in paris one i didn't know the names of the food everything was metric i was used to you know non-metric so i'd say to people okay how much is 200 grams they'd say 200 grams i had no emotional attachment to the numbers uh all the foods were different names i had to you know everything was different and so again i turned it over to the people in the group i had to learn how to cook turn that over to people in the group and so I got abstinent, finally came back to America, stayed abstinent, uh, moved from Washington, D.C. to Philadelphia to Los Angeles. Uh, during that time, I got engaged, um, got a job. I did all those things that we did, uh, got married. And, you know, I look back on it now and um, I started to put on weight. I was in a car accident and my mobility had been restricted for a while. I started working at a job, sitting at a desk, getting married, cooking. I seemed the, the meals got larger and slowly, slowly the weight started to come back on. And I hadn't quite found a sponsor in Los Angeles. Even though I'd been there a couple of years by that point, going to weekly meetings, volunteering, having sponsees. But the uh, issue was- oh, There was 15 you. minutes. Okay. Uh, and I slowly began to drift because I didn't have a sponsor. And in Los Angeles, they have a lot of recovery. So this idea that I couldn't find a sponsor was ridiculous. But um, 
you know, I go to meetings every week, volunteer, I had commitments. Um, and, but slowly the weight started to come back on. I also, so basically between, and then I started, you know, there was some sugar-free stuff I started having. Then I went to see a nutritionist, a friend of the program suggested, well, why don't you see a nutritionist? I did nutritionist, like all the sugar-free stuff, it turns into sugar in your body anyways. You'd be better off just having the sugar. Well, she didn't say have the sugar, but of course in my mind, I go, oh, I can have sugar. And so uh, I started having sugar and that relapse went from about 99 to about 2005. And I put on 70 pounds. Um, and during that time, you know, I'd been married about three or four years looking back on it. Um, there was a sign, you know, people say a lot of times I go to a meeting uh, called um, the kitchen sink in Los Angeles. And it's a meeting where then people ask questions, the speaker after the, after their, their, their share. And, you know, people would say, well, how have your relationships improved now that you're in OA and you're absent and people talk about that. Yeah, you know, what you don't talk about is how your relationships impact your eating. And what I didn't look at was why was I eating so much food and binging, especially on sugar? Uh, there were some issues in my marriage. I, I, I didn't realize it at the time, and I wasn't talking to a sponsor, but that's what was going on. And I got the feeling OA wasn't working. And so I just stepped back and slowly stopped going putting on the weight and um, people were still there. He reached out to me, um, but I just was like, no, I'm not doing this. And then a couple of things happened down the road. Um, you know, my father had died suddenly of a heart attack at that time at a very young age. And, you know, my wife was concerned for me. I went to a doctor. I had very, very, very high cholesterol, some other heart issues. They couldn't figure out what the problem was. Medication didn't work. I got into a special program, uh, experimental program dealing with you know heart attack prevention. And the doctor said, he goes, look, you're, you have a 100% chance of a heart attack given your family history and your physical health right now. Now at this time, I was 35 years old, 36. And he goes, you have a hundred percent chance. So here's the question. Do you have the heart attack next year or do you have it in 20 years? That's your choice. So we're going to put you on some of this medication. We think this is going to work, but here's the deal. When you get into your fifties, it's going to stop being effective. It's, it'll work, but not as well. And forget about it in your sixties, you're done. So you got to lose 50 pounds and I want you to start running marathons. He goes, I tell all my patients to run marathons. Even if they're 75 or 80, they're running the marathon. So the Los Angeles Marathon is coming up in nine months and you're running it. Um, he said, there is one interesting thing though. He goes, when we go in and take a look at your arteries, you know, doing the CAT scans, there's no plaque buildup. He goes, this is very odd for someone with your level of cholesterol and all your other genetic markers and they couldn't figure it out how there was just no residue well i knew what it was i'd been abstinent for about 15 years and eating very cleanly 
and 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 that probably was the reason why um and i realized gee the only time i didn't have a food problem or a weight issue was when i was working the program in a way and that was my moment of clarity and then i let it pass now everyone talks about these moments of clarity that god shot i definitely got it and i just was like eh and just let it go. I wasn't ready for recovery. And that was okay. Um, during that time, I had a sponsor in AA who I actually met in OA, uh, but he dropped out. And we used to complain about OA together. <laughs> and then one day he said, you know, I've recommitted to my abstinence. I thought, oh, that's interesting. I'm like, tell me a little bit more. And he goes, it just was time and feeling very good about it, got a food sponsor. I was like, oh, hmm. And I just lost all this weight, had run the marathon, uh, and I was afraid I was gonna gain all the weight back. And I thought, well, if he can go back, maybe I should go back. And so that was, uh, and at the time it was around Halloween, I had a young son at the time. I remember the year before eating all his Halloween candy and being feeling very bad about that. And I thought, I don't want to do that anymore. So it was around the Halloween weekend. It was on a weekend that year in 2005. And I said, okay, let me go back to my old meeting, uh, the kitchen sink meeting. And all the same people were there. I looked a little older, but they're all very happy. And I looked around the room and there was a guy visiting who was there who I had sponsored in Philadelphia 16 years before. I had no idea that he even lived in Los Angeles uh, at the time. And I thought, okay, this is my message. Got a sponsor, someone who had a very strict abstinence, I thought, and um, I just knew that that's what I needed to do. He's been my sponsor since, uh, you know, I got re-engaged in the program in October of 2005 and have been abstinent since. And I think the thing about with the relapse was that when I was in it, there was an unwillingness to recover. Even after I started back on the road to recovery, there was still unwillingness. The reason I couldn't stay abstinent was I was trying to change my behavior. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to eat this stuff. I'm going to stick to a food plan. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to do all these things. I was trying to change my behavior, and every day I failed. People don't change. I had to be willing to be transformed, and this is a very important point. So in being transformed, the thought process was, I am an abstinent member of OA and I refrain from eating sugar and I refrain from binging. And I do those things in OA to keep my program together. It was, I decided to look at myself in a different light. I allowed myself to be transformed, which is a spiritual change. I didn't try to keep changing my behavior, which didn't work. I had to surrender and say, okay, this is what I am. I'm a compulsive overeater. 
And when I made that decision to change, that was transformative. And so then I did the behavior that indicated I was a compulsive overeater. I started having a food plan. I started following that food plan. I started to become more engaged in the meetings, having a sponsor, sponsoring people. It's like, gee, did I want to go out and binge or do? Yeah. But I go, that's no longer an option for me. I wasn't going to try and change my behavior. I was willing to look at myself as a totally different person. I was willing to be living in the transformed person that I was. And so that to me was the thing that had to happen to get me out of relapse because I could never change my behavior. Even today, I can't change my behavior. Um, but I can't allow myself to surrender and be transformed. And I think that's what ultimately helped me out of the relapse. Um, you know, today is, you know, 2023. It's been a tough year. Let's just put it this way. I've been going through a divorce for the last year and a half. Brutal, tough. We're still living in the same house. Uh, it's not pleasant. Uh, and, you know, it's, there's a lot of tension. Um, you know, uh, earlier this year, I had a sister who became very sick, very suddenly with cancer. And five within three weeks left. of great, five thank minutes you. left. Uh, and within about three weeks of her diagnosis, she died. And I'd gone to take care of her because uh, really I was the only family she had. And uh, it was very painful and um, shocking. And in fact, I'm driving up today to her home in Sausalito, getting ready for her, you know, planning her memorial for this weekend. And, you know, so there was a lot of stuff going on, um, but I didn't binge. I, I still would go to meetings. Uh, I'd still talk to my sponsor. I'd still do all those things I've done. Now, my weight's up. No surprise. There's a lot going on. But I also know as soon as my divorce comes through, we're no longer in the same house. We're no longer with this tension and all this other stuff. There's a, I know what's going to happen. The weight's going to come off because I'm still doing the things that I've been doing. Uh, I've had to adjust to a 58-year-old body. Uh, you know, my sponsor used to say, don't look at the weight on the scale. It's meaningless. He's right. I mean, you know, um, my weight had not changed for many years, but all of a sudden the clothes stopped fitting. Things shift. Uh, I had to uh, get to come to terms with that. I have to eat less food. Um, it, it's just, you don't need that much as you get older. I still exercise a tremendous amount, stay in shape. And, um, you know, for me today, what I have to remember is it's not about doing it perfectly. It's about am I using, am I willing to be transformed and to remember that I am a compulsive overeater and to live my life as if I am in a, a compulsive overeater in recovery. And I have to sometimes ask myself, what does that look like? What does a recovered person's lunch look like? Okay, I got a situation where I'm gonna yell at somebody. Is this really the right thing to do in recovery? Sometimes the answer is yes, <laughs> you know, and sometimes the answer is no. But I have to pause and think about that. And that's what the program has done for me today. 
Um, and, you know, I'm very grateful for the life that OA has given me. Um, I'm active, uh, I'm healthy. Uh, I haven't had that heart attack. Uh, doctor says, if I keep doing what I'm doing, uh, exercising and taking the medication, he goes, you probably are now gonna make it to 90 before you have a heart incident, which is good news. Um, you know, but I owe it all to OA and continuing to be engaged in OA. And, you know, my, my views of recovery and the program and my food plan, they all change, but the constant is to remember that first step. I'm powerless over food and that made my life unmanageable. You know, and I have to go to a power greater than myself, whether it's OA, the group, a higher power, to find some sort of peace. And, um, you know, I'm very glad that I got to participate in my recovery today uh, to come here and speak. Uh, and it's a great way to kick off the day. So thank you.